0: Welcome to The Good Budget Way, where we share real-life stories about everyday people from all walks of life who spend, save, and give to what's truly important in life. I'm your host, Xi'an. I'm so glad that you all have been enjoying this podcast and hearing stories from people who are working out what it means to budget in real life. Thank you all for subscribing. Thanks for rating the podcast that really helps other people who like the same kind of stories as you do find this podcast. You're listening to the ninth episode of Eleven on season one of The Good Budget Way. Last time we heard from Katie, who was here to share with us how she saved for the big expense of grad school. In fact, she saved eight months worth of paychecks in a two year period so that she could spend on what's truly important to her in her dream of becoming an architect. If you haven't heard that episode, definitely go back and hear how she did it and why. In this episode, we'll hear from Chiming and Juliet, who will be here to share with us their story of how they sold one house and bought another, moving their family from one place to the new one. But their journey has so many twists and turns that we're actually going to bring you their story in two episodes. Now, here is a story of a family that's spent on what's important, decided what's enough so they can give generously, and on the way, they've deepened relationships with people and talked with those they trust. In part one of this story, you'll hear why they decided to move away from a place they loved, who they decided to sell their first home to, and how they gave generously in the process. Let's get into it. Hey there, I'm super glad both of you are here to join us today. Start us off by telling us a little bit about yourselves.
1: Hi, it's great to be here. Uh, My name's Chi Ming, and I'm here with my wife, Juliet, and we both live here in San Francisco, and I'm a small business owner.
2: And we have three kids. Uh, Their ages are 14, 11, and 9, and we've been living in San Francisco now for...
1: 25 years.
2: years? Oh, wow. And for how many of those years have you been married?
1: Oh, gosh. 20. 20.
0: Oh, wow. Congratulations. Yes, thank you. That's great. Um, well, okay. So you've been living in San Francisco for 25 years. 20, 20 of years, those,
1: sorry. 21 years.
0: You've been living in San Francisco for 21 years, 20 of those married, and now you have three kids entering the preteen, teen age frame. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's wonderful. So, it's
1: exciting. <laughs>
0: it's exciting. Like, it's special?
1: Um, yeah, it's, it is special, and it's exciting especially with the the oldest one um, entering into high school and all of that, that entails.
0: Okay, that's great. So tell us a little bit about the place that you lived in when your kids were young.
2: Well, we lived in a flat on Alamany. And uh, in a lot of ways, it was a perfect place. Uh, Because it had a large living room, it afforded the when they were toddlers, you know, lots of room to run around. And eventually, when they became school age, uh, the school was half a mile away, so we could walk to school and back. And we were also close to Mission Street, so a lot of um, stores and restaurants were also within walking distance and with a lot of choices. Yeah, it sounds like a great neighborhood for a family of
0: with young kids in particular. You could walk everywhere with your kids. I assume you put them in strollers and took them around.
1: Double strollers.
2: Yes. Um, and then I don't want to forget to mention that we also had a lot of friends in the neighborhood. So that was probably the biggest um, advantage of living in that house.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So... That's a
0: little funny because it sounds like the place you were in was ideal. You were you were pretty content with it, um, but you're here to tell us your story of buying a different house. How did you even get started talking about moving?
1: Well, um, that story probably starts with our church congregation. Um, so Redeemer Community Church is a church in San Francisco's Bayview neighborhood. And at one point... Um, the church had a conversation uh, about being planted and rooted in that neighborhood, uh, which is a different neighborhood than the one that we were currently living in. I see. And as part of that conversation, um, we felt like it was important if the church was going to be planted in neighborhood for families within that congregation to also live within that neighborhood. So Mm -hmm. that's really where things probably started for us.
0: So instead of the church planting in that particular neighborhood and then everyone else kind of commuting in, it sounded like you were hoping that maybe you and other families would actually live as residents in the same area as the church location.
1: That's right, yeah.
0: Were the homes in the new neighborhood you were moving to, the Bayview, more or less expensive than the neighborhood you were living in?
1: Actually, when we initially started, we thought that they would be less expensive. Uh Um, We thought that we could probably make the move and uh, maybe sell the place that we currently had and mm-hmm. buy a, a, a place that was similar in size. Uh, but it turned out that over the two years um, that we started thinking um, uh, in, in a lot more depth about it, mm-hmm. uh, the baby real estate was increasing at a really rapid rate. The prices were going up much faster, actually, mm-hmm. than the neighborhood that we were in.
0: Okay, so that kind of gets into the nuts and bolts of actually purchasing a home. Um, so how much money did you have at that point? Did you have a lot in savings, retirement maybe that you could tap or something like that?
1: Um, at the point that we're actually um, looking to buy the house, we actually had nothing in retirement or savings.
0: Okay, so how did that happen?
1: Um, well, we had given all our money away. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you had given your all your money away like... At the same time you were trying to buy a house?
1: Um, Actually, just before.
0: Oh, and knowing that you were going to buy a house.
1: Uh, Knowing that we were going to buy a house. Okay, so
0: there's got to be a story behind that because it doesn't sound like a great plan to give away a lot of money and know that you're trying to buy a house. So what happened there?
1: Um, It it doesn't sound like a great plan. And we (laughs) actually had several people tell us that this doesn't sound like, um, how does that make sense? Uh Uh, we uh, We had gotten the the sense that God was actually calling us to give all of our financial assets away. Um, It's been something that I think has been um, true for us for um, probably since we've been married, Mm. that there's a, maybe we would put it as there's a particular call in our lives to be generous with what we have and um, to, to, to not accumulate. When I spoke with Juliet about it, uh, I think the surprising thing was that she also agreed that that was the case. And as we talked with folks in Got Council, um, one of the things that came up in those conversations was uh, them saying the fact that the two of you are on the same page about this is pretty significant. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, but people also asked us, so how's this consistent with you also feeling like it's important for you to, to move to the Bayview and that's part of what uh, you're being called to do. Mm -hmm. And we probably just didn't really have a particular answer for that. Um, We just, we, we knew that, um, if God is calling us to, to particular things that God supplies for what he calls for.
0: Hmm. Yeah, it's. I think what's interesting about your story, there's so many different threads, but one of the ones that pops out the most is how clear it was that both of you were on the same page. Um, and it, even though maybe one of you had the, had the idea first and began the conversation, that the two of you were really on the same page. And also you didn't just talk with each other, but it sounds like there were other folks in the story that you connected with to get... Uh, basically to use as a sounding board to let them know here's what we're thinking and what do you think given what you know about our lives they already knew that you were thinking about moving and so they were actually able to ask you like so how do all these things fit together Um, because I think sometimes um, with couples and money it's common for folks to have fairly different ideas and that's pretty normal Um, and the process of working that out it takes some work Um, so it seems like very clearly the two of you kind of went through that work to a point where um, something as quote unquote drastic as giving away a lot of money would not have elicited this reaction from Juliet, like, Oh my goodness, what are you talking about? We've never done that before. We've never even broached that subject. Um, But it actually had been a long running conversation in your, in your marriage. um, And it sounds like with other folks in your church community as well.
1: Yeah. I think it um, over the course of our marriage, it's going to be 20 years this December. Mm-hmm. Um, we've definitely continued to have these conversations about uh, the purpose of money and um, and how we can live, uh, uh, you know, how, how we spend money, how we yeah, use it. How our
2: budget can reflect what we want our lives to be about.
1: Yeah, so that's definitely a conversation that we've had consistently over the course of our marriage. Uh, from the very beginning and uh, like you said there's also been people that we've known for decades Mm. um, that have been uh, you know part of our close uh, community uh, folks that um, have given trusted counsel um, people that uh, have a sense of um, the the life that we are trying to live and Mm. Um, also share in that life um, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And then so can speak into um, decisions and give us feedback about uh, about even decisions that are as large as some of the uh, the decisions that we're talking about.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, let's get back then to the, the decision about where are you going to actually move, right? So now we've established that you gave away your savings in retirement. Is that right? Right, um,
1: financial assets. right? Okay. So we still had equity in the house that we lived in.
0: Okay, so you have there's some money in the in the house, but there's no savings or retirement money. Um, but you're planning on moving into a neighborhood that's potentially more expensive than where you had been living. Um, so the, kind of the big question here is like, how is it actually going to work to buy a new place in a more expensive neighborhood without savings to tap? Um, so let's actually go back and have you tell us about how you bought the first house that you were living in on Alamany.
2: Well, we really wanted to... Um live with uh, a family, um, the Fong family, and uh, they were very close friends and partners in the gospel with us. And some of that was financial. San Francisco is very expensive, and it was one of the ways that either of us could afford to live in the city, mm. um, to, to purchase a place together. But it was it was more than just the financial consideration. It it really was that we wanted to um, uh, live into and experience the riches of uh, being close neighbors. We had looked and found and purchased a duplex mm. together.
0: So it, the duplex had is like two halves of a house, basically.
1: Yeah, uh, it's basically a two-unit apartment building.
0: Okay, um, and then one family lived in. You said a flat, right? One flat, and then the other family lived in the other flat in the two units. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so in terms of the financial arrangement, what did it actually look like? You had separate mortgages or separate deeds?
1: Yeah, so it's actually a single deed, and both families were on title um, together with uh, 50% ownership. It's called a tenancy in common kind of arrangement. So uh, that means uh, the two families are both on title, and you actually share a single mortgage. Um, and so when you need to do things like sell a portion of the property or, uh, even refinance, um, that has to be something that both families agree to.
0: Okay. So putting, well, I guess it's four names on a mortgage together. That's right. It's kind of unusual because usually the most you would see is like two people on a mortgage and they're usually married to each other. So it sounds like the financial ties with the Fong family were pretty serious.
1: Yeah, I I think Juliet and I knew the Fongs um at that point we gosh had been friends um for 10 12 years already.
0: Okay. So it's not like you went on Craigslist and like looked oh, for no. someone to buy a house <laughs> with because San Francisco is expensive.
2: Well, people do do that in San okay. Francisco. Actually. But that's not what you did. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Um I think the financial arrangement it only reflected what was already true of our partnership and our trust in each other.
1: You know, we had been longtime friends. Uh, Danny and I had started a business together um, mm. as partners, and so uh, there was already a sense of relationship, uh, of uh, tested trustworthiness, and uh, just really a lot of comfort level with tying ourselves together in that way.
0: So it sounds almost like you're like extended family with each other. Is that fair?
1: Yeah. Definitely.
2: Yeah. We were definitely aware of the risks. There's Mm -hmm. always the risk that there's going to be a conflict that we can't work out. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think that we had already worked out enough conflicts that there could be a trust in each other's character to be Christian, even if the situation were to not work out perfectly. Uh, and a commitment to, on both sides, the Fong family and for us, to work out those conflicts in a Christian way. Mm. So even if there were things that didn't go exactly
0: the way either one f- or the other family wanted, you you expected you'd still be able to come out with a relationship intact.
1: Right. Uh-huh. Yeah, And just practically speaking, I think when you tie yourselves, um, different folks have different time horizons, mm-hmm. right? So... Um, you know one of the things some of the things that that we were thinking about is well what happens uh, at the point that we might need to um, uh, have one of our parents uh, of our aging parents live with us mm-hmm. you know what was that what would that look like mm-hmm. um, could you do that in the current configuration mm-hmm. um, and if we needed to untie at mm-hmm. that point when you know, the other family wasn't yet ready to uh, untie. Then, what does that conversation look like? So, there's a lot of practical, just timing considerations mm-hmm. uh, that uh, make the situation complicated. But, like Juliet was saying, there's a trust that we can we can work that out and still have the relationship in um, you know, even, uh, not only intact, but I think deeper for it.
0: Mm, deeper relationship, not just like that. You weren't going to kill each other. <laughs>
1: <Right>. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, that's great. So that actually. This question about timing kind of gets us back to our main story about how you, your family moved um, to a new place. And you had talked about this tenancy in common where you had the common mortgage, the apartment building that you essentially co-owned half of each. So you all were decided you were going
2: to move. Were they going to move also? How did they figure that out? So we had a number of house meetings, household meetings with the Fong f- family and our family.
0: Wait, so... It wasn't just like Chiming and Juliet husband-wife
2: meetings. It was for adults? Uh, It it might have started that way, but pretty quickly we realized that we needed to include some of the older children in that conversation as well. How old were they? So the... In particular, two of the older Fong children,
1: I think eighth grade and tenth grade at the time Is mm-hmm. that right? oh,
0: I see, yeah. so they were definitely old enough to understand what was going on, right, and they had opinions
2: and feelings exactly, and uh-huh. this would definitely affect them as they were going to school in the neighborhood mm, and, i see um and had friends and in the neighborhood and and patterns already established so how were how were they feeling about it
1: um I think they were pro- probably split one one of the fong's kids was um was rooting for the move okay um but i think that that wasn't uniform <laughs> across across the kids
2: okay for our own kids uh it was about all about relationship for them so they were they would be excited if the fong family moved with us but they definitely did not want to move if the fong family were not moving with us i so, see so it wasn't like your kids
0: or their kids were excited about moving because like, they'd have more bedrooms or more bathrooms or bigger backyard and that kind of thing. It was more like, can we stay together? If we can stay together, let's do it. And if we can't, then let's not.
1: Yeah, and I think part of it was because we never really talked about it that way. We never talked... um, We didn't talk about it that way. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, Uh, That way being...
1: Sorry, uh, larger house or more bathrooms. Uh And we didn't talk with our kids about it that way because Mm -hmm. that wasn't really... Um, the crux of the issue. Mm. Um,
2: anyway, at that point, yeah. it wasn't likely given the price. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah. So um, when, as a part of those conversations, when it appeared that probably the Fong's were going to want to stay put, mm-hmm. um, that was when um, our, our kids were in revolt. <laughs> Your kids <laughs> oh. revolted wow. because, because
0: the Fong's <laughs> decided
2: to stay. So what were some of the things that the kids said Well, our oldest daughter was. uh, She was half joking, and yet not at all. It was a definite expression of where she was Mm -hmm. when she exclaimed that she was not going to move. She was going to stay in the garage. So she she was going to stay and live
0: in the garage with the fongs, exactly, while the rest of her family moved a little, a few miles away to a different neighborhood. That sounds yeah. yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I think you know at that point, right. Um, it was pretty much all our children had known for, mm-hmm. uh, uh, 10 years, 13 years, uh, 12 years oh, of their life. Whole, yes. Their whole life. Their entire life was, uh, spent in that one, uh, in that one house and with their, you know, uh, good friends, um, you know, brother, sister, mm-hmm. a- almost, um, yeah. living upstairs.
0: Right. It's like closer than cousins. Right. It's like right. having yeah. a, a second set of brothers, sisters. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that sounds like a pretty serious change for the kids. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the other thing that stood out to me was the the way you're having the conversation is you're having house meetings, which are kind of a fairly adult type of conversation, um, but especially the older Fong kids, the ones that were in 10th and 8th grade, they were actually part of the conversation. And it sounds like their opinions were considered enough so that their, their parents, the Fong um, parents, were thinking about what their choices might have been if they got to choose independently as kids. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, so I think I, I really appreciate um, the attention to how everyone's feeling about the decision and not just um, kind of mom or dad making the choice without considering how the kids will feel. Obviously, mm-hmm. sometimes
2: mom and dad have to make that choice and, and kids need to follow, but... I think it was also a way for us to communicate um, our the why, so the mm-hmm. vision, um, uh, why we felt this a uh, sense of call from God. And that was important for us uh, to communicate that and f- for them to either own it with us or um, that we would consider um, for their sake, you know, waiting. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at this point, it sounds like, your family had decided yes, you were going to move. The Fong family decided no, they're not going to move. And then, but you have this shared house with the shared mortgage and the shared deed. Um, so how do you get out with them staying? How does that work?
1: Well, um, somebody would need to uh, purchase um, our portion of the of the property. And
0: okay. And so, did you put your half on the market?
1: Um, no, because of the, because of the way that the, the building was configured, um, where there was common area, there was a shared common garage, there mm-hmm. are rooms that we share, mm-hmm. uh, shared downstairs for the fongs. Um, it definitely didn't feel like it would be an option just to have a random, uh, family move in. And I see. from our perspective, if we were in their shoes, we would also feel the same way. That basically left us with the question of, okay, so um, who uh, who can we think of um, mm-hmm. that would be a good match for this uh, this unit?
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, who are some of the people that you considered? So, the Fong family uh, thought about it, and they came up with um, one other family. That there they was felt only <laughs> there was only
0: one other possibility
2: that uh, both were in the place of. Uh, that they might potentially move uh-huh. as well as um, that they felt that kind of trust and compatibility mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. Uh, that they felt that they could share. Okay. So place. your
0: whole plan about moving, sell moving requires you to sell this house cause you don't have savings. So you got, you need the equity that's in the place you're in mm-hmm. um, and you right. got to sell it to this one other family that maybe might be available and interested in living with the Maybe fongs. might be, You're right. Okay, so what happened? And someone talked to them. Yeah,
1: so um, so this other family was the Luz, okay. um Peter and Jennifer. And um, Peter's a school teacher and been teaching in the public schools for a decade or so. And they were renting um, in San Francisco. And I think for them, this uh, when we talked about it, it sounded like they, they would be excited to also... Um, have some stability in their housing situation rather than being subject to you know possible rental increases mm-hmm. and uh, it seemed like the unit that we were going to be selling would be a good fit for for mm. them
0: so what's um, what's your relationship with the loose because it sounds like the Fong family knew and trusted them and would be happy to live with them but how do you know the loose or not
1: um, so uh, our relationship with them goes back many years, um, as well. Um, we've known Peter for, gosh,
2: since college,
1: since college. Yeah. Okay. So a couple, couple decades.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was, it was, I look back and I'm so amazed. It's so fun to see how God provided for everyone. Um, you know, the, the Fong family, they really needed a good, um, friend to live mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. we needed to sell mm-hmm. and the Lus needed they uh, a more stable place in san francisco mm. um initially the Lou family they didn't think that they would have enough money
0: mm-hmm.
2: to purchase our place
0: i see so because peter's a school teacher right and then
2: jennifer she uh, was a stay-at-home mom oh okay so they just had the one school teacher salary mm-hmm. exactly and their rent was, um, they had gotten a good deal. Mm-hmm. So it mm-hmm. had, it, at that point, was a pretty, pretty low. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it it was, we weren't sure at all how this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. But um, the Lord ended up surprising the Lou family with uh, uh, someone who helped them out financially. Mm. And... Um, We were, uh, we wanted to sell our place at um, both, considering what we needed, we knew that it it had to be close to market value. Um, There was no way to find out what the market value was because we weren't actually going to put our place on the market. Mm -hmm. And so um, how did
0: you decide how much? Because there has to be a number, right? That you sell it for. How did you decide how much to sell it for?
1: Um I think we looked at a few different places um around, and then um there was also a figure that the Lewis had put out as we think we can afford this hmm. um and then so we kind of uh looked at all those together and um, found something that was reasonable relative to to all those different factors and and agreed on a price mm-hmm.
0: yeah. and so and that price would essentially be the equity that you would take leaving this place, right? And potentially into the next house you'd...
1: Yeah, less the loan, The there was a mm. modest loan balance at that okay. time. But yes.
0: It's interesting Maybe not so
1: modest. There was a loan balance. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: interesting that you were thinking about what they could afford. Because I think normally in a house purchase transaction, um, the people who are selling, they kind of list a price that they're looking to get, right? Because that's money they're going to walk away from the
2: uh, right. transaction
0: with. But you were thinking about them, not just in this kind of like offer-counter-offer kind of thing, but more like, you know, it sounds like you know them um, and your relationship with them, what they could
2: afford, what you felt like would serve both parties. Right. And it was a way to care for the fongs as well, Mm. uh, because if the loos could move in, that would enable the fongs to stay at that place.
0: I see. So in this process of you selling your half of the house, you're actually... I mean, you all want to move, right, so you, you would like to sell, but you're also thinking about the fongs and the lose and what they need right. relationship-wise as well as financially. Right. Yeah. Um, so in terms of timing, did you sell it after you already had another place lined up?
1: Um, n-
0: no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So how did you decide on the
2: timing of the sale then? Folks who knew the housing market at that time um, advised us that the interest rate was low mm. and oh, right. it was in the lose best interest to lock in that interest rate actually it was probably the mortgage broker yeah mm-hmm. and um for the lose and so for their sake we decided to um complete that transaction mm-hmm. so that they could be locked in at the low rate before it was mm. gonna go up mm-hmm. and price them out and then um at the same time, we experienced we had to experience their generosity to us, mm. since um, they basically right, essentially yeah. rented back to us until we were ready to move, and and they were gracious enough to say that could be indefinite. Well, okay, not like years indefinite, but but I think we talked about like months. three
1: months to twelve months, yeah, you know, right, possibly as uh, as the time period that they'd be willing to rent back um, to us.
0: So it sounds like both of you kind of had this mutual experience of generosity, right? Like you were generous with them in terms of setting a timing for the sale that really favored them and the interest rate they were trying to get. And then they were being generous with you, renting a place back to you that they had actually already purchased from you um, instead of kicking you out and (laughs) letting you figure out where you're going to stay until you bought the next place. Right, yeah. Um, So in the meantime... I mean, you've. it sounds like you've been having conversation with different people. You gave a lot of money away. You figured out a way to sell your half of the Alamany house that you had moved, well, you were going to move out of. Um, what had happened in the housing market in the Bayview during all this time that had passed?
1: Uh, so house prices in the Bayview in particular were increasing heavily during that time. I think it was something like 50% year over year. Oh my goodness. Um, That's crazy. So, so, And one of the yeah.
2: steepest climbs in the city.
1: Oh right, because it's one of I think the the few uh, remaining uh, quote unquote affordable places mm-hmm. um, to purchase in the city.
0: Fifty percent euro per <laughs> year doesn't sound very affordable. <laughs>
1: wow,
0: I am so glad that Shiming and Juliet are sharing their story with us. In the first half of their story, I was really struck by the theme of generosity. They clearly gave generously, giving their savings as well as their retirement. I mean, who does that? And then they also practiced gratitude. The Lus chose to rent the old place back to them. And I can clearly hear Ming and Juliet really being grateful for that and receiving it as generosity. The other thing that struck me was that they are truly budgeting with a why. They know what's important to them, both the giving as well as moving to a neighborhood they view that their church community wants to have deeper roots in. They are spending on what's important. And it sounds like they're going to decide what's enough, which might not be a bigger house. But in their story, it seems like really the, the main thing is relationships. That's what's enough for them. And that gets me to this other point, which is deepening relationships. It sounds like both in their conversations with the Fong family and the Liu family, the way they've chosen to live together and have really concrete financial ties in having common mortgages and selling and buying houses from each other, it meant that they got to live together. They had to work it out when they wanted to move separately. And it seems like that's really building richer and deeper relationships with one another. For me, I'm really inspired to budget with a why similar to the way they have. They had the courage of their convictions to follow through and spend, save and give to what's truly important in life, even not knowing what might happen. And I would hope to be that kind of person who would make money choices out of the courage of my convictions, even if I might not know what happens next. In the second part of Chiming and Juliet's story, we'll get to hear what happens next. We've already heard from them why they decided to move away from the place they loved, give money away and have no savings, and how they sold their old place. But that really leaves us with, where will they live? How will they pay for it with no savings? And the kicker, how will their kids feel about separating from the folks they love? Wow, this season of The Good Budget Way has gone by so fast. I can't believe there are only two more episodes left in season one. Now, for the final episode, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to get to hear from you, our listeners, your comments and your questions, and then we'll respond. So if you want to be part of the final episode— go to goodbudget.com slash podcast and record your comments in your own voice. It's just like leaving a voicemail. Thank you all so much for listening. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please do subscribe for more and rate to help other folks find these incredible stories just like you've been listening to. And definitely let us know what you thought of Chiming and Juliet's story on our website at goodbudget.com slash podcast. And if Chiming and Juliet have inspired you to budget with a why, head on over to goodbudget.com to get started on your budget. Or you can go straight to the App Store or Google Play to get the Good Budget app. Happy budgeting!